2: Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill.
3: Hello, hello, hello. That's little RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> How <reference>. are we? <laughs> Sorry, is it? I talk God, about I it all the anything. time. I get like zero response from anyone in the group. Like no one's like more RuPaul's.
2: Like no one's asking for it. So my friend who I'm staying with, their work had a quiz last Friday night um, on Zoom. And so we made gin and tonics and sat down to do the quiz and it was a pop culture one and there was a RuPaul's Drag Race question and I didn't get it right. There is no way
3: on God's green earth I would not have got that right. I can't tell you. It was probably like what colour suit was we wearing in the workroom on the season one episode four and I would have been like lime green with stripes. (laughs)
2: Literally. And I I recognised some of the names and I just picked the wrong one.
3: So how's isolation going for you apart from your quizzing? What's been happening? I... Oh, I've started a few new shows. So I started... Have you ever seen Insecure? I've seen one episode of Insecure. And the only reason I stopped watching it is because the only place I could find it was Project Free TV, which is like a
2: single yeah. pixel. And I couldn't find it properly anywhere. But... I'm the same. I was like, there's no way... I was saying to my friend, I was like, there is no way to watch HBO shows in London. It's There's just not a way. Uh, but in New Zealand, you can because they've got Neon, which they... They probably have an equivalent in London. But anyway, I've been watching Insecure, which I really like. Issa Rae is just so funny. And she wrote and directed it and she stars in it. I'm like, you're a fucking queen. Mm. And then I found, out of nowhere, a Laura Dern show that I'd never seen, never heard of. Out of of nowhere? You were just frantically
3: searching, like... Laura Dern
2: literally she stars in it sometimes I do that I go to IMDb if I get obsessed with an actress I go to IMDb and I look through everything they've been in and then I'll just go through and watch it all Mm. if I if I find an actress who I hadn't really heard much of before I'll go back and look through all of their and go back to their really shitty first films and watch them all wow um yeah so I found Enlightened, it was Laura Dern's show and it was made. At first I was like, Oh, this must have been made in like two thousand and sixteen and then I looked and it was came out in two thousand and eleven and it's her basically she's having an affair with her boss and or no, someone in her department, and then he gets her transferred out and she has a breakdown and is screaming within the first thirty seconds. It's like peak Laura Dern mode. And she's screaming and losing her shit and crying and swearing. And then she goes to this health retreat and goes all zen and sends like $40,000 at this health retreat and comes back and lives with her mum and then tries to get her job back. And it's just, it's pretty good. It's like... It sounds awesome. 90% there. But yeah, it is. It's it's like an easy watch. So I've been watching that. And I also... um had a human design reading on the weekend. What is so, that? So, Yeah, I know. I don't really know exactly. But basically, Hannah Carrera, who is actually taking over Instagram on Saturday, she does yoga, meditation, breath work, and human design readings. Um, and she's taking over on Saturday and she's filmed a breath work and meditation for our Instagram TV. And then on Saturday night, she's going to take people through a live yoga nidra or nidra which is a sleep meditation so that's really cute but we did on saturday um uh we had a zoom meeting and she did she read my human design chart and basically it's kind of she's i'm probably just going to butcher this but basically it's like the same you give her the same details as astrology and then she pulls in you know your birth date your birth time your place and then she pulls up this chart and reads off it and it just goes way deeper than astrology and it's really interesting i gave her your details i gave
1: gave her some
3: details it's like a very um millennial interaction where she dm'd me she was like grace what time where and when were you born and i was like here's the information (laughs) i don't know what you're doing with this and she was giving you a human body (laughs) chart reading over zoom obviously
2: yeah yeah and then she – because she was like, oh, it would be interesting to know graces and how you work together. And she – it was basically just so spot on with our personalities. Um, but I'm just going to read because someone asked her on her Instagram what it is. And she, she wrote, everyone has a unique human design based on their birth time. There are five energy types. And your design is like an operating manager – your design is like an operating manual for your energy showing the way you best interact with others make decisions tr- trust your intuition and live with ease and yeah it was it was very very interesting what did she and have like, to a say? lot of it was very spot on um well she said because it's funny because i mean this was kind of more on the astrology side of things but it's funny because my star sign is a pisces which i feel like i am very much like in a lot of ways but then i'm also not like in so many ways because i'm really impatient and i can get snappy and i um am quite fiery and she was like no that's a huge part of your chart as well like she was like your mm. mars is in your blah blah house and this is another huge element of your personality and this is why you're like this and then she 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 pulled up so many interesting things about um she said your intuition is really strong in your gut, so trust your gut and you're one of those people that can make decisions. She's like, if someone asks you to do something, the decision you make straight away is the one you should go with, whereas some people Mm -hmm. need to sleep overnight or whatever. And, um, yeah, like so many interesting things. She went so so deep into everything. Like she was even like, with your body type, fasting isn't good for you. I was like, I already knew that because I feel like a fucking psycho when I fast. If I fast for
3: more than two hours, I think i'm gonna faint i always think at the time when we had just met and i went over to your house for the first time and your housemate beth was there i just remember we were talking and we just looked up i'd looked up and she was just staring at us with her like jaw on the floor and she was like how did you two find each other because we were just having this co- it was like oh. two little our two little pea brains were like la, 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 <laughs> like talking the same way about the same nonsense for so long and she just looked and she was like i just cannot believe there's fucking two of you I know.
2: We're so lucky we found each other. We're so lucky we found each other. It's so gorgeous. But that was super interesting and yeah. I'm so excited for her to... So on Saturday when she takes over our Instagram, she's going to do... I think she's going to do a Q&A all about human design and astrology so people can ask heaps of questions because I find it so interesting. Even just learning more about your rising sign, your moon sign, how the moons affect you, she's going to go... Go into detail, so I'm probably gonna ask about 74 new questions on that.
3: I have had my first like the first cracks in my psyche due to isolation this week and they've revealed themselves in interesting ways. So I've become convinced that I need to start dressing in like peasant dresses and kind of LA like roll. Oh. Yeah, I know. My wish list on various websites is troubling. It's like a descent into madness, as evidenced by like prairie dresses. Yeah, like prairie dresses or dresses with big high neck ruffles and collars. Very LA. I don't know what's happening. And then I was like, I need to get bangs. And then I posted a jokey thing on Instagram saying, should I get bangs? And I think everyone thought I'd gone proper crazy because they got 40 replies of people being like, do not cut your own bangs. (laughs) (laughs) You have so much to live (laughs) for. Don't do it.
2: I know. I I don't think bangs do suit a round
3: face. I've had bangs in the past, and it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Are you talking about your side ones that you had? No, I had a full a, you full, hated that. a full bang when I was about 16, mm-hmm. and it was fine. But I think I'm better without it. But some this is what happens when you're in quarantine. You're like, how can I change? <laughs> how can I be different?
2: I know. I know. I might have worn the same fucking clothes for a month straight
3: yeah, yeah I mean it's hard
2: but I
3: thought of I listened back to our episode about age gaps and I realized I had a hilarious age gap story that I didn't tell on the podcast that I don't know if I've told you so I'd like to tell you now
2: yes please
3: (laughs) which is that when I was so when I first moved to Sydney I lived in this apartment block that was across the road from the cinema that I worked at across the road from the pub we all went to and then a five minute walk from my university so my whole world just subsisted around this little like area and I would work at the cinema and then we'd all go to this pub after our shifts it's called the Lansdowne and it used to be really really gross and one night when I was there it was really dark there and I'd had a bit to drink and I met this guy and we were talking and I gave him my number and I was like to my friends oh he's so cute like he's gorgeous and they're like Grace he's like quite old I was like, he's 20, I was like, he's 24. And they're like, no, 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 dude, he's old. He's old, old. I think he's like 40. <laughs> and I was like, shut up. And how he's old like, were you? Ta- I was 17 or 18, like very young.
2: Oh my God. Yeah. And
3: I went to go and meet him for a date and just the vision, I, I wish I could just sketch the vision of what I had in my mind versus when I got there. Cause the second I got there, it was a daytime coffee date. And I was like, oh, my God, oh you're, like, 42. <laughs> like, it was crazy. And his name was... Did he tell you how old he was? No. He lied to me. I was like, how old are you? And he you said he was guessed. 24 or 25 or something. And for, like, God... Oh, my God. God knows what reason That's I believe That's fucking in. psycho. <laughs> and we went on this date, and obviously, immediately, I just panicked. And I was like, how do I get out of this? This is just insane. And the within 10 minutes, he said to me, um, I want to take you back to my house to cook you dinner and give you a foot rub
2: oh that reminds me of um that reminds me of that modern love story with the guy and the girl but that guy was less creepy he was oh i guess he wasn't less creepy actually
3: i don't know the one yuck a foot rub i know it's probably gonna like cut them off and like keep them in his house and just rub them forever
2: wait have you watched modern love no god grace sorry it's so good so there's an episode where Julia Garner, I'm pretty sure, from Ozark, she lost her dad real young and then she finds this guy at her office who reminds her of her dad and starts hanging out with him in a fatherly way and then he wants to bus. Oh, gross. It's creepy. Yeah. It's like a gross episode. Makes you feel yuck.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, so it had that so that's vibe. That's your situation anyway. And then I to- I must have told him the night we met that I worked. This is actually a bit creepy this part, but I I must have told him that I worked at the cinema because that's where we all worked and I w- I was I working at the Ben and Jerry's desk so i had to wear a little apron and a cap i must have looked i've had Eleven. to wear a cap like that as well and they, they blasted people like so loud all day it was so crazy um but he came in because i I obviously like, ghosted him i was really bad i didn't respond to his messages i was really immature but i was like a child then i just looked up over the ben and jerry's counter one day and he came in
2: no and i was like
3: hi um and he was like hey what's up like do you want to hang out again and i was like i don't i don't want to (laughs) and then he goes (laughs) (laughs) and then he goes that's a shame and then he goes you look sexy in that uniform
2: (laughs) yuck who is this man he needs to be put in jail (laughs) God, I just wish you could cut to me in this oversized
3: t-shirt, a hat and an apron behind an ice cream counter. Like nothing less sexy exists on planet Earth.
2: Well, actually there is something (laughs) less sexy and it's me when I used to work, (laughs) aged like 18. Only people in New Zealand (laughs) will understand this to the severity that it is. But I worked at BP, which is a petrol station. Yeah. Wild Bean Cafe, which is its little I fucking understand. cafe part. And Both of oh, do friends. they have them in Australia? Yes. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, now everyone knows. Um, in there, making like getting out the pies, and I had the little cap on that said Wild Bean Cafe and the uniform. And my ex-boyfriend came in, who I was still so obsessed with, and I was like, "God, I might as well just die now." I had to serve him because he came to my <laughs> counter to say hello oh, and I had the little cap on. I was like, I just want to rip it off my head, but I know I'll get so much trouble. I know. I used to get Butter chicken it. pies. Okay. And I used to date this that drop kick. I, I feel like we've talked about him on the podcast before. I used to date this. That drop kick that used to make me take him butter chicken pies after <laughs> you shift, and then right. get mad at me because, And then he'd get mad at me because the butter chicken pies were um cold i was like okay you fucking stoner what am i supposed to do about this get a job it's insane oh my god i've come so far when i think back to that i literally probably at that point in my life just thought i was gonna work at that pie shop forever <laughs> oh god it's so dark funny. days dark days indeed i used to pretend i was I used to pretend I was sick all the time to get off work and then my boss would just make me come in because she was like, I just know you're not sick, you're such a liar. And so I would go in and I knew she'd be watching me on the cameras and so I'd just hold my stomach and kind of be like keeled over. (laughs)
3: My friend Ben, my friend Ben on the summer that we all finished high school and we just wanted like a summer of love, um, whenever we had a party on or something and he didn't want to work. He had this trick. He worked at JB Hi-Fi where he would bend over and blow on his thumb until he fainted. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and he'd In like, the middle of the store. Like blow it. He's so dramatic. He would do it. And then he would just stagger out to like, the middle of the floor during the Christmas shopping oh period. It just dropped to the ground to happen, like, six
2: times. And so he could go oh drink at the God. floor or something. It was so funny. Oh my god, that's so good. So good. Yeah, I just I just like vividly remember me keeled over like this, pretending to, like ser- serving people. <laughs> and then she called the phone and was like, I can see you're actually sick, go home. And I was like, woo! And called my boyfriend and was like, coming round! Let's go out. Oh man.
3: Those were the days. Not but- as
2: dark as the days when I worked at Pack and Save.
3: Pack and God... Like like a sixty year old you not, man, you've like worked in all the industries. but well, I'm a bit like that as well. Like I worked at a hor- like all these horrible pubs and all these different like weird cinemas, and I worked at a subway. I worked at the uni subway. <laughs> okay, Izzy, I can't, I haven't told you this. I worked at the uni subway in between classes, and I had to go to some classes in my subway uniform.
2: I would never. I oh my God. I would never. You imagine. imagine. What did? Yeah. Did you get, obviously you got the cookies for free, which is a fucking
3: huge perk. Yeah, but I, I left pretty quickly because it was just too embarrassing. But, um. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Crazy. Imagine someone coming into your mm. tutorial at uni in a subway uniform from the subway on the campus. You would, I was just <laughs> written off by
2: so many people. Yeah, rightly so. <laughs> Pack and save. Uh, yeah. Pack and save. Pack and save was a dark time i was so young i'm also like looking back now could i not have just found a better fucking after school job but fun fact jacinda ardern also worked at pack and save okay so you're in good company In good company. Great company.
3: So my other recommendation, which I would like to formally, on the record, apologize to you for, because you told me about this seven months ago, and I didn't start listening until Chelsea recommended it, which is so obnoxious. I know, that's so rude. So I was almost like, I can't tell anyone about it now because it's so obvious, but I'm just going to own it. I should have listened to you, and I'm sorry. Who Weekly is the best podcast ever. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Ever. It's, I think I've listened to eight episodes (laughs) since Sunday. It's all I do now with my life. People will
2: be so glad because when I recommended it ages ago, so many people on the Facebook group were like, oh my God, thank God you listened to her weekly. Isn't it the best? It's just this unknown secret.
3: I'm so angry at myself and I'm really sorry. It's, it's just so, so
2: great. (laughs) To be honest, I would have pushed you much harder if I listened to it as religiously as I would like, but sometimes I just forget to listen to it. So I would have been like, Grace, come. I remember I sent you segments though. I did kind of get quite deep. I was like, listen from this minute in. (laughs) It's so funny. That's what I want to do with you as well. So they did, they've done so many ones that
3: just make me laugh so hard, but they did one which I would like to talk to you about because I know you'll appreciate it, which is they're obviously doing like a week by week analysis of the Ben Affleck and Anna DeArmas relationship because it's kind of the only interesting celebrity news story to come out of quarantine. Um, And then their nickname is Banana, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) and they've basically said that they think it's a fully fake relationship that paparazzi have talked about the fact that they come out at 2 p.m every day anna has been caught like calling people on the phone saying we're ready she's always got an outfit they always go at this peak time where there's loads of people around and they should be going there's a paparazzi podcast that Lindsay's listened to and apparently all the paparazzi
0: are like yeah it's fully fake so red hot I listened to the podcast where they talk about banana these these photographers they all were like this is the fakest relationship (laughs) (laughs) they were like they were like there is no way they have no chemistry they walk like three steps kiss walk three steps kiss walk three steps kiss like it's a literal performance they claim they these are just the pops Mm -hmm. they say they know they're smart so that was kind of funny shout out to the paparazzi podcast I forget what it's called it's called like it's called Paparazzi podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's, I was like, I think it's just called Paparazzi yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, anyways, they all think it's fake. So, I'm, um, you know, I believe them. I trust the paparazzi. Because like I said, I want him to get back with Jen. And I think this is just mm. another... We know, we know. A cog in the machine of Ben and Jen getting back together. Not to be whatever, but doesn't Jen also have a boyfriend that she's pretty serious about, according to, again, tabloid magazine. I mean, the, the tabloids want us to believe that they're serious, but they only have that one photo of him in a vest with his like startup's name on it. Usually, she's <laughs> just walking alone to church. She's walking alone... She's at church. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, see photos yeah. of them walking a dog together. I don't see photos of them doing their quarantine Good. you know, rituals together. Uh, well, okay, true.
2: And But of course, as soon as someone says shit like that, obviously that makes sense. But I just don't know why she would pick Ben Affleck. But I mean, obviously everyone's talking about her now. I didn't really even know who she was until this relationship.
3: Yeah, this is the thing that sucks because I think we had the same reaction, which was why would she need to... Hook up with Ben Affleck to get people to care about her, but then it's like the proof is in the pudding. We're talking about her because she got together with Ben Affleck. So terrible.
2: Yeah, because I was like, because I was like, why do I not know who this fucking gorgeous, talented actress is? And then I was just like, oh, I guess I'm just not across the Bond universe. And that was my only thing. But then, yeah, we didn't know who she was, and now she's dating fucking gross Ben Affleck, and everyone's talking about her, and she's everywhere. So my last recommendation, and there's been a few, I'm sorry,
3: is we're gonna sound like a broken record because I can just tell that every week we're gonna be doing this, but Jamila Jamil's no, no. interview with Reese with a spoon on Iway, so good, and I know you're a long-term Reese with a spoon fan. This is like the podcast of me like coming around to, to things her. that you've known for a long time, and <laughs> yes, I'm now so all aboard toot toot the the Reese Witherspoon with a spoon express. I yeah, she is it's that's the thing awesome. with her
2: because yeah, because unless you actually watch what she does, it's very easy to kind of put Reese with a spoon in a box of just r- random pretty Hollywood actresses who've been around for ages. Who's like sunshiny and lovely and likes to read books and then you dig deeper and you're like she is such a fucking icon her production company basically only works with women's stories and she reads every fucking she's such a good reader and she reads every fucking day and pulls all of these amazing stories and create and creates films off the back of them she's always championed women's rights she's just a fucking legend yeah
3: okay so she goes which i just never like even my little pea brain like knew this but didn't put the dots together so I knew that she started a production company because she got delivered a piece of shit script and realized there was no good stories for women. What I didn't realize mm. is that her projects have been wild, gone girl, big little yeah. lies, little fires everywhere. That's her four projects. They're like four of the biggest pop culture phenomenons of the past, like 10 years. And she's created all of them.
2: Yeah. She's a fucking queen. Oh my God. It's crazy. Yeah. So this um,
3: podcast, she talks so openly and I think this is where podcasting is such a great tool because, and it's like one of the few examples, I think of like a celebrity interview where it benefits it being a celebrity interviewing the person. Cause Jamila mm-hmm. Jamil is very, she asks questions that I'm like, whoa, that's wild. Um, and she she was like how did you feel when the new yorker said that you were washed up and irrelevant i was like jesus <laughs> <laughs> but then this was does, like i'm a human being and i felt like shit when i read that and i was like fucking awesome you would just never hear that exchange with no. a journalist
2: and i do think i think it it's yeah it's the celebrity interviewing celebrity thing but it's even just the friend interviewing friend thing it's even us with our dinner party conversations just talking to uh, anyone. Like, even just being like, do you sex your boyfriend? You would never ask. a proper, If we were doing that in journalist mode for one of our publications, we would never ask someone that. Or we would never ask them. Keisha probably wouldn't have talked so openly. She wouldn't have talked about Johnny Depp sending her a fucking cassette tape to an interviewer, but yeah. she'd talk about it to her friends. It's just a different vibe because you trust the person.
3: Yeah, and it just gets out so much... I've never heard a celebrity of that caliber talking so candidly before, ever. And I said to you before, because I listened to it while Izzy was asleep and we were recording now that Izzy's woken up, so you haven't had time to listen to the whole thing. But I said, did you get up to the bit where she cries? And your jaw was like on the floor because it's so hard to imagine someone like Reese Witherspoon crying in the middle of an Mm -hmm. interview that's being recorded because they're so polished but she talks about how fucking hard she's found it to get. She talks about how when she started her production company, stuff happened like she. Sorry,
2: and. Oh, no. Sorry, you carry on. No. <laughs> I was going to say sorry, sorry, and her other fucking production, The Morning Show. The morning show. Yeah, I'm so sorry
3: I forgot yeah. that, and The Morning Show. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually yeah. genuinely sorry I forgot that. That's. Yeah. And she was saying that she had books that she optioned i don't i don't know what the deal with this is how it played out um in real life and what movies or projects it was for where she had to fight to get into every single room to get this book optioned and she had huge studios um with all male employees steal the idea away from her So take the option and then cut her out of the producing credits, cut her out of any decision on directing, cut her out of any decision on thing. So she basically had this baby that she wanted to do and it was just, and she just said, I had to just call up and beg crying to get to see the dailies of how this thing that I had put so much time and effort and money into had been shot. And she just ended up crying and she was like, it's just the frustration of knowing that I am in the biggest position of power of any celebrity I'm of not of any of celebrity, but if people in Hollywood, you would just think that Reese Witherspoon mm. was completely inoculated to this system and she's oh, crying yeah. talking about how hard she finds it to get anything done. It's just nuts.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's so so crazy. Should we put it in here?
0: Mm-hmm. When do women who have been put in this marginalized place when do we get to emerge as the leaders that we are? Yeah because i think there's this miscalculation sorry i get upset because
4: no no i understand i feel
0: it's sorry. not about me it's like yeah. it's like i feel like i know everyone who is trying to do the same things as me and whether you're in hollywood or you're in banking or you're in advertising or you're in healthcare and someone doesn't take you seriously even though you have 30 years of experience yeah and you think good god when are things gonna change but they are and i have to I mean, i'm an optimist yeah. so I, I look at the little cracks in the ceilings i look at the, well, the big the fuck
2: off cracks i
4: mean bunch of emmy's <laughs> bunch of golden globes yes. doing fine
2: i think the thing with reese witherspoon as well is you would look at her and she's this blonde haired blue-eyed beautiful woman and that's probably why Men in Hollywood kind of just tossed her aside and that's why I love her so much, because she's literally just coming in being like, no, move the fuck over. I'm gonna make these incredible productions now, I'm gonna champion women. Even in the morning show, um <clears throat> and this is something that kind of turned me off Hadley Freeman, who's a guardian writer who we've talked about a bunch of times, um, when they did the morning show interview rounds, so the show's based on sexual assault and harassment in the workplace. And Hadley Freeman asks Reese and Jen Nifer-Anderson what their experiences of sexual harassment have been like. And Reese has in the past said that she's experienced things. And she even said more recently, she opened up more recently in a Vanity Fair profile um, about when she was younger and saying it wasn't isolated incidents, but at the time she hadn't really said much more. And Hadley kind of pressed her and pressed Jen to the point where in the Guardian piece, Hadley writes that both Jen and Reese looked at their publicists to be like, stop this questioning, and Hadley kind of wrote it out as if it was, you know, why are they being so cagey if you're going to do a show about sexual assault and harassment, you need to kind of be open about your experiences of it. And the way she wrote it, she kind of convinces you that that's correct. Yeah, cause and then that's
3: what I thought as well, and she also wrote it like – um she wrote it in this way that made them seem quite manipulative where she said they were like i love your pants oh my god you're so nice and like they'd been buttering her up to not ask difficult questions
2: but they were probably just i, I could see reese Witherspoon just being like that as a nice human <laughs> and then um reese went on an interview with terry gross on fresh air and she brought it up and she said i had this experience she was like i am funny with journalism with the press and I even had a recent experience that proved exactly why where I had a female journalist pressing me to open up about my experience of sexual assault and harassment as if that was what as if that was her right for me to for me to tell her like the biggest thing of my life the thing that I've been in therapy for it's and then I, I was just like god yeah you're she's so such a, right she's so
3: You're so right though because Mm. that was I had that reaction when I read it as the piece as well where I thought this is a bit awkward. Why are they refusing to open up about this? It's such a big um, topic that they're using to promote this. Like they're using in this TV show to create a hit TV show. It's touching all these cultural questions. Um, Why would they be so cagey talking about it? But what right does the public have to hear the intimate details (laughs) about a person's most dark, most horrific? experience of their life just Mm. because they're a fucking film actress was like
2: Like, yeah (laughs) it's insane reese was like when and if any sexual assault or harassment survivor chooses to speak up that is their fucking prerogative and i was like yes reese and then she slammed her again in her vanity fair cover story without saying her name i think yeah
3: yeah this has completely changed my perspective on that whole thing and i think you're you're totally right
2: this is less of a, um important point about Reese spoon. But what I love about her as well is that she is all of these things where she's such a champion for women's rights and she's so clever. She, is, she runs her own production company. She picks the best books to make into movies. Uh, she, you know, she's whatever, such a great actress as well. And um, But then I love that she's so fun and happy and like loves having a laugh and like takes the piss out of her and herself on her Instagram account she gets her kids to teach her how to do TikTok she's such a mum in the same vein and I love it so much even for Grazia I was like a couple of months ago I was like I know that this is random but I just have to write a passion piece about Reese Witherspoon's Instagram account (laughs) and I pulled it up and I was literally like Reese Witherspoon is the fucking queen of Instagram everything she does is so funny on it and yeah She's just the best. We're going to have to just do a couple of Stan Instagram posts about Reese Witherspoon today, I would say. Yeah,
1: definitely. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello?
2: And our last recommendation, last but certainly not least, is Netflix's new series, which is called "Too Hot to Handle," and it's basically an amalgamation of a billion different dating shows. Uh, We've got Love Island, we've got The Circle, um, we've got Forty Days and Forty Nights, the forty-year-old version. Oh, I said that wrong. We've got the (laughs) forty-year-old version. Movies that exist. now? You're like we've got Clueless, we've got Notting Hill, <laughs> we've Legally Blonde, um, yeah, and it is surprisingly the best. It's so wholesome. So this is
3: I found it. I've been finding it strange that Netflix are like putting out these kind of trashy reality style shows like Love Is Blind, but then mm-hmm. what I love is is that I feel like they put a bit of a wholesome spin on the concepts because i think the places that usually air these reality shows like channel 7 they're not talking to a woke audience so it's kind of fine just to have problematic stuff no it's not fine but like they don't they're not looking at it through that lens whereas i feel like netflix like okay we can't just have a gross trashy show we need to have some wholesome modern elements
2: and also though uh television networks are so dependent on ratings the thing with netflix is it doesn't really matter if a show goes off or if it crashes that's why they make all those horrific movies yeah because it doesn't matter like people will just watch them it doesn't have to be super you know like that like they're way less dependent on it being having to be amazing so it's kind of good because then they can make them more wholesome and less drama filled whereas i feel like the television networks with married at first sight and stuff they want to make it as dramatic as possible to hook people in And because you need to return tomorrow evening at a specific time, it's such a –
3: that's asking so much of people, whereas this is like all you have to do is just not move
1: away. Yeah, just watch it at some (laughs) point whenever you feel like
2: it. I'm like, perfect. So Too Hot to Handle is essentially basically a whole bunch of hot, rather young 20-year-olds or like – yeah, I guess that'll be around 20. And they all get flown to this insanely beautiful resort in Mexico – and they don't really know what they're in for, but essentially I think they've been told that they're in to have sex because all of them just arrive and they are just the most horny individuals I've ever laid my eyes on. Mm. They are just rabid dogs and they arrive at this island and think they're all going to buss and then they get told straight away by this weird robot type lamp that they're not allowed to bus Or <laughs> kiss...
3: Yes, and the fines are pretty hefty. So there's a $100,000 prize pot. What I love about this show as well, I've realized because I've nearly finished it. I'm on the last episode. And the rules of the game are just never are so vague. Like, oh, yeah, this. Like, so I hope vague. I win it, and they've just never explained yeah, but they don't if even an individual know. wins it, if a yeah. group wins it, if it's split, what warrants winning. It's just really funny and what
2: i also love is i don't know what they told them to get them to the island because they clearly knew nothing about what was going on at all and they were just so surprised at every turn i wonder what the kind of like sign up process was how they approached these people where they found them they were from all around the world canada the us australia the uk (laughs) but it's clever because everyone's probably watching it yeah well it was number one in new zealand it's number one in the uk as well i think (laughs) <laughs> yeah just to sum it up if anyone who hasn't seen it and it's crazy if you haven't because what else are we all doing uh it you aren't allowed to kiss at all there's a hundred dollar prize pot and if you kiss you lose money if you do more than that you lose money and if you have sex you lose like 16 grand out of this hundred thousand dollar prize pool that someone or all of them who knows wins at the end of their four weeks there and so it's just all these hot singles not being able to hook up basically because they want them to find a more meaningful connection.
3: Yeah. And the rules are really arbitrary because what I love about this show is it just warrants, it. sorry, it rewards like good TV. It doesn't kind of reward emotional growth in the way it says it does. I don't feel. Like it kind of, it, like it kind of does, but it's also nonsense. Like Harry and Francesca, who are a couple that I actually, despite myself, like, they said, I love you <laughs> to each other in bed. And then she gave him a blowjob. And they're like, you're not learning. We're finding you six grand. I was like, well, saying I'm in love with you is learning. Yeah. I wonder if they're still together. I would say no. I think they are because they follow each other on Instagram. She has a million followers now and all the others have like seven.
2: It was so funny as well. She was obviously, she's gorgeous. And she was obviously an Instagram influencer before coming into it. And she was lying on a hammock with this guy. And he was like, what do you do for a job? And she goes, Instagram. And he was like, oh, do you make good money from that? And she was like, yeah, that's why I don't give a shit about this prize pool. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't give a shit about $100,000 because she could make that off probably like three Instagram posts. posts. She is a bit of an icon. I'm a fan. Yeah. And then there's Rhonda and Sharon. Sharon. (laughs) The name. It just gets me every time. Uh, Who I love so much. They're definitely my faves. Yeah, they're a great couple. But essentially, like you think... You think the show, because it's so funny, on one of the episodes, one of the girls, I think it was Francesca, goes, oh my God, call 911. What's the number for 911?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I didn't really like Hot Jesus and given our recent conversations, I thought
2: that that might be something you would be interested in discussing. (laughs) So for anyone who hasn't listened to our Dinner parties episode, our first one, um, I lived with Jesus for a month. In Switzerland. And that's all we're going to say, because you should have listened to the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's all we're going to say. Clickbait. Actually, I need to do an update on that. I (laughs) have been messaging hot Jesus. Uh, Yeah, I ship this so much.
3: I want you to get married once quarantine. I want you to have a quarantine wedding where people like drive by to wish you well. (laughs) So we hadn't spoken
2: in about seven years, and then because of our episode... I pulled up, which I'll now obviously have to post in our Facebook group because everyone will be like, "Fucking give up, give up the goods." But I found for Jake and Grace because we're in a group chat a photo of me and Hot Jesus on the first night we met, and I literally look like the cat that got the cream. I am so excited! I've like my legs strung across him. I'm staring into his eyes, uh, and I'm wearing a Lakers. <laughs> Top. I was like, Izzy, I can't even look away from the neck down because you're wearing a Lakers jersey and he's wearing like a kiss band tee. It's so chaotic. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's so chaotic. So then I got drunk on Saturday night and I just randomly sent him the photo and was like, lol, <laughs> something, something. So insane. And then. Like um, just a
3: message would have been maybe
2: better. No, because I was like, look what I found, type vibe. But yeah, still. But I just, just told a told from- it, but, uh, substantial audience. A just, about- yeah, I was like, look what I just found. And then I was like, because I talked about this thing on a podcast. And he was like, what? Send it to me. And made me send it to him. And then he. Hello, hot uh, Jesus, l-
3: if you're listening.
2: Hello, hot Jesus, if you're now listening to After Work Drinks, we're glad we got you. As a fan, please rate, review and subscribe. And tell your friends in Switzerland. <laughs> it's Switzerland. no and then he uh replied and was like oh my god I laughed the whole way through that I didn't even think it was weird until you said it on a podcast and I realized it was quite weird but yeah anyway so no I hated hot Jesus on too hot to handle there's only one hot Jesus for me and that's not it
3: yeah he just had like a, a weird vibe that I didn't really understand and then no so they do these like wholesome character building challenges Which were great, were actually great compared to The Bachelor where it's like hold a baby and like vacuum or something. I'm trying to think of those weird ones they do. They do that, yeah, literally. The one I really loved was they had a masculinity workshop where this kind of man in harem pants came in and all the guys partnered off. And keeping in mind this is like the reality TV show archetype, big buff alpha obsessed with looking a certain way could be seen as like the kind of toxic masculinity vibe but this guy basically got them to do vulnerability exercises and one of them was to write down all of the things that they felt were holding them back in life in this cute little artwork and then face with a partner and just hold up the sign and stare at each other's signs and I was like that would that would be such a difficult thing to do Anyway, a hundred percent. I can't even yeah. do that thing where you fall back. I just motioned. It. Oh
2: my God, where you have to fall back into someone. I cannot do that. At school camp, we had a camp counselor like a summer camp or some shit. I was a Christian, so it was Christian camp. When I was oh, about to live many lives, of Truman? Oh my God, <laughs> I was I a I was thousand lives. Christian camp. Um, no, and the guy stood on a tree trunk to explain to us like why we should be able to do this trust challenge, and he to demonstrate. And he made us all put our hands out to catch him, and then we just dropped. We just literally all just dropped him on the ground. Was he okay? He's <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs> like, and then we had to bury the I'm body and never doing the challenge ever.
3: Yeah, it's terrifying. So this was yep. a really nice way. Of showing men be really vulnerable talk about all of the pressures of manhood talking about feeling like they have to be aggressive with women or alpha all the time or how they're too prideful or how they struggle to let people in it was it was really nice
2: and not gross and naff and genuinely cool and then they ran through their poster
3: and burst it which and they were covered in mud which was weird
2: no it was so cute and then they which leads into our next segment the girls all had a woman come and teach them about their yonis. So, they're... <laughs> What's a yoni? Like your
3: vagina. It's like, it's
2: like, no, yeah, so they're vaginas, but a yoni's supposed to be like your whole area. Right. Like your, your organs and shit, but whatever had someone come and teach them about their yonis and basically they all stood in these separate kind of changing room areas and were handed a little mirror and they had to look at their vaginas and then they had to draw their vaginas which grace no joke again i have had a similar experience what? on my <laughs> in my sex workshop weekend we had to draw ah. our vaginas and i drew a butterfly like one of the girls cute but that's i think it's so important and then they were
3: talking chloe was talking about how she watches porn and how that gives her like insecurities about how her own vagina looks and it's such a huge topic as we know that like women have so many hang-ups about sex and about we have body image issues but it obviously extends to sex and it was just so great to Mm. see people like talk about it so openly and then you had one of the girl's Feel all empowered and then tell a fuck boy that she wasn't gonna deal with him anymore because she was like, "This is amazing. Why would I hand this over to someone who doesn't deserve yes.
2: it?" And she was the best as well. He was like, "I actually don't want to continue this," and she was like, "I'm actually not giving you the opportunity to want to continue this." Yes. I was like, "Yes, Chloe, off, Chloe." So that then leads into our next segment, which we are so excited about for all of you quarantined little suckers. You're gonna be obsessed with this we have wanted to talk about female pleasure the pleasure gap sex masturbation orgasms the whole shebang for ages now um we've had it written down as a note i think even since we asked you guys months ago what you would want us to cover and we thought there's no better time than now when sales of sex toys are skyrocketing we're all at home we're either at home alone where we can explore with ourselves or at home with partners and we can explore with them if we so wish or we can still explore with ourselves while they're in another room. So we
3: are speaking today to Mika Simmons who is an actress and a filmmaker uh, from the UK who's had an amazing career and has now launched this podcast called The Happy Vagina which is basically just all about tackling female reproductive health, answering questions about sex. She's had amazing guests on. She's had amy lou wood and tanya reynolds from sex education she's had anais gallagher and meg matthews who are like rock and roll royalty in the uk and she just has a really candid open amazing feminist skewed perspective about shame pleasure all of the big tricky questions that it comes to when we talk about sex
2: yes and she's very open and honest and answers all our questions but basically as soon as we got off the phone to her we had a thousand more so we will leave you over to that discussion and see you on saturday for a new episode of our dinner party series sounds good (laughs) sounds good
3: (laughs) sorry that was weird bye bye sounds (laughs) sounds great Izzy. yeah see you then mika and welcome to after drinks we are very excited to have you um the first thing we wanted to talk about i guess was the fact that You've had this kind of interesting career pivot going from an actress and a film director to now launching The Happy Vagina, which is a podcast all about women's reproductive health and sex. Um, so why a podcast and why call it The Happy Vagina?
4: I mean, I you know, I, I work, I work, I'm, a, I'm a performer at heart. So for me, doing anything um, that involves me connecting with other human beings in terms of being creative, I love. But my story with my interest in gynecological health and sex and, and and empowering women really started with my mother, who was a feminist and wrote about feminist and feminism in the 70s, and then, you know, tragically was diagnosed with ovarian cancer when she was 54. And she she died nine months later. So a woman who had been, you know, my absolute icon um, and, and had a very good relationship with her body, and she really knew. Her body well she used homeopathy and acupuncture to keep herself well um and the doctors put her off they said it was probably early menopause and that's why she was missing periods and had pain so when they diagnosed her she was already staged for ovarian cancer and as i just said she she passed away nine months later so i spent Sorry my 20s asking. and yeah i mean you know it just just i mean she lived she lived the time she had on earth she really lived she changed a lot of people's lives and she um she definitely, I would say that I'm the woman I am today because of her. And then just completely like, you know, spiritually by chance, um, my next door neighbor in my, in my house in London turned out to be become the head of oncology for gynecological cancers at the Royal Marsden Hospital, which is obviously an NHS cancer hospital, but one of the, the leading institutes in the world. The research that they do with the ICR next door is phenomenal. And um, Dr. Susanna Banerjee, when she, she was given this role, as the as the um, head of oncology for gynae cancers she she asked if i would do some fundraising for her and i said yeah I, i will i'm happy to support that but really what i want to do is get a movement together of women talking more about their bodies and just kind of looking out for the symptoms and being more open and less shameful about our bodies and that was six years ago and then last year i hosted like this panel at white city house for international women's day called how to keep your vagina happy and it was absolutely packed, and and the feedback we got from it was just phenomenal. And and it's not, I don't think I was surprised, but I was, I was, I was kind of rallied, and I and I just thought I'm going to turn that into a podcast. And and a year later, there we have it. the Happy Vagina Podcast. And I just so for me, you know, it's the fusion of my work as a performer and an artist and a creative human being with my, you know, unlimited love and passion for women's work.
2: I was reading your essay that you wrote for Glamour, and you mentioned that one of the reasons you think your mum probably didn't push to get tested more is because of the shame she might've felt about her body? Or why do you think it is that women are kind of made to feel especially embarrassed about their bodies and sex and their anatomy?
4: Oh, I don't know if it is just women. Where my mum is concerned, it's one of the really insane dichotomies that, Oh, I wish she was here today so I could ask her, but she was, um, my mother was raised Catholic, Irish Catholic. Um went yeah. to a convent school. So some of her feminism, I believe, grew out of a retaliation against the constructs and the, uh, the you know, the, the, the lack of freedom in terms of, of that particular religion around women and sex. So you had this amazing woman who uh, was feminist in her thinking, yet still carried the shame of a Catholic woman. I think the Catholic mm. Church historically has been uh very detrimental to an understanding of sex and 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 women so that that was my mum's story and why we have shame around around sex is is a lack of knowledge I mean first and foremost I think it's this this thing about religion that that religious texts have fundamentally created a gap between what sex really is and and how we perceive it so it's that you think it's just for procreation and basically you know the reason for sex is to have babies not for pleasure so there was never any understanding of pleasure i think to be honest with you i think they were probably really scared of it no i mean like if you if you really, like wound the tape back to when they were right surely they were just really frightened of what sex was and what it did because it is it's like a leaving of your body when you have an orgasm right i mean it can be not always and um and so I think that the religious text didn't identify it as something that could be deeply enjoyed and is really important you know we know that when we have an orgasm oxytocin is released which is a counterbalance to cortisol I mean it's it's actually organically at our animal level something that's really important for us physical contact and all you know so and then I think the lack of understanding creates teasing so for me I I mean you know it's very difficult to talk generally the macro about why everyone feels shame but for me I know that when my breasts started to come through I got teased at school I got my period quite young I was nine I, I was ashamed my mum threw this massive party for me on a camp night I was like oh my god
2: I know we're obsessed with your mum. I was like we, we have to ask about mom. her mum. <laughs>
4: I was like oh my god she sounds like on? she
2: sounds like the mum from um six education
4: yeah, I mean Tanya um Reynolds and Amy Lee Wood came on my podcast Happy Vagina, and I did tell them that story, and they were like, "Your mum is Gillian," and I was like, "That is, is. I'm, I'm happy with that." <laughs> yeah. So I think teasing, That's you know, I think thing, a lack yeah. of knowledge. I mean, one of the things that I'm really trying to champion is is that the boys need to be educated. We we the sexes should be educated in each other's. Uh, development sexual development like you know at at my school the boys were taken out we talked about periods keep them in the room keep them in the room you know
3: well that was something that we wanted to discuss as well because we are really interested in this topic from boys perspective too and there is a kind of feeling now that boys and girls but probably more so boys are learning about sex and pleasure for the first time from internet porn and that obviously there's like not the best place, let's say, to be learning about female anatomy and female pleasure. So is that something that plays into the way that you've come to understand the problems with perceptions of female pleasure?
4: I think first and foremost, porn is changing. And I don't Mm -hmm. think porn's bad. I think that, um, actually, I just read this really interesting article, which is is a mini tangent, but I'm going to go there anyway, is that um, there's always been a, a suggestion that watching hardcore porn Is really bad for you but actually as long as you mix it all up it's not but I I think that my generation didn't learn to have sex really through porn because it wasn't available on the internet in the way that it is now there has been a bit of an epidemic of it particularly with young men but also young women over the last say 10 years you know at schools they can access it on their phones and yes they are learning about sex in a uh graphic and perf- and perfect ways so so the bodies are uh not not really representing all women or men mm. um let's face it <laughs> you know the pressure that the men must get put under to see how those men perform um you know so so but I grew up on romantic movies where i that I learned that the way to have sex as a woman was to sort of just look pretty through the whole thing do you know what I mean I mean I'm not sure yeah. that I'm not sure that that one's worse than the other. What we're talking about are misrepresentations of what real sex and real connection is like. And thankfully, because of the internet, which did create this kind of um, epidemic of online porn, there is now really educational great porn coming through, which is more about, you know, because because it could be a teaching tool. Actually, it, could, it, it has become a te- porn, became a teaching tool without anyone actually overseeing it as a teaching tool. So young men were learning sex via porn without anyone saying, actually, we need to make sure this is used in a, in a healthy and organic way. So um, I think I think mostly it's about being open-minded and accepting what's happened, but seeing how you can look for solutions to make things better rather than let, getting stuck in um, berating or being neggy about what's been going on. You know, I don't think that's a good place to start from.
2: In the Goop documentary, which came out earlier this year, we saw uh, Biddy Dodson you know, giving masturbation workshops, which was quite radical and sort of moving the question of female pleasure into the mainstream. Why do you mm. think the topic of female pleasure is such a cultural taboo? Well, it's kind of, it's sort of not.
4: It's, I, mean, I mean, listen, one of the reasons that I've done the Happy Vagina podcast is because there's women like us and, and, a, and the generations coming through that are definitely much more open-minded about uh, different ways of, of being, having sex giving yourself self-pleasure, bodies, everything. But there's still a lot of women who can't really access that thinking. And for me, the Happy Vagina podcast was a way of making, creating something. It, I, I, I specifically chose for it to be relatively commercial in a way. I didn't want it to, I wanted it to be fun and uplifting so that, you know, so that my aunts who, who, who might not follow Lizzo on instagram (laughs) could kind of like access um a new way of thinking around sex their bodies and who they are as women um but i do think it's changing i do think it's changing i don't think that masturbation is so much of a taboo anymore um i think we're gonna have to find something else to fight for soon
2: i was i got lost in the kind of looking at oh my god yes the website and a review of it and i was reading this woman's review and in the comments section there were so many hundreds of comments of women saying that never in their lives they've ever had an orgasm. Is that common that women can't reach orgasm or is it that they haven't figured out how to?
4: I think it's really normal. I think it's really normal for men and women. Um, I mean, coming back to what I was just saying about it changing, you know... (laughs) There's just been a mainstream television series where Gwyneth Paltrow learns how to masturbate. I know it's so iconic. I mean, so, so, so the comments on, oh my God, yes. It's like, that's, I mean, I think that website's phenomenal. Um, thank God for Hermione from Harry Potter for like making it one of the biggest websites <laughs> in the world. <laughs> um, but I do think that somehow or other the education doesn't involve pleasure. You know, sex education is about biology. Nobody, nobody teaches us about pleasure. One of the things, I've got three episodes of Happy Vagina coming out this week. One is on single sex in isolation, one is on couples' sex in isolation, and the other one is virtual sex in isolation. And love one it. of the things, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, they're, they're, they're really, really amazing and educational. And, mm. you know, one of the things that we talk about, I, I'm, I'm talking to Kate Moll, who's a sex therapist, and one of the things that we talk about is the fact that. If you don't have a good sexual relationship with yourself through self pleasure, you cannot have a good sexual relationship with someone else. You just can't. Now maybe your time on this earth is that that's not where you're going to explore. But if you are sacrificing to the extent that is affecting your mental health, your physical health, your perception of yourself or your self esteem, then it's something that you should, I believe you should definitely explore. And how can you tell someone within your sexual, your partner, how what what you want and get your needs met if you haven't worked it out for yourself, you know, but there is a gap, there's a gap for me. And I talk about this stuff all the time, but there's a, there's a shyness around communicating around sex. I think there's a deep rooted terror. And I do sort of mean that, you know, you, you, you fall in love with someone or whether or not your relationship or sexual relationship with is a more casual one, but, but the level of fear around the potential rejection with sex is just massive and again I would come back to some of the teasing that happens when we're younger and the lack of education and just a general um you know <sighs> shaming of each other human beings so then how can you possibly say hey I might want you to touch me on my clitoris rather than just go for straight for penetrative sex how how can a woman do that if she doesn't know herself
3: yeah though this is really interesting because we wanted to touch on the topic of um like sex drive in women because it seems like kind of colloquially a conversation that we tend to have of do women lose their sex drive over time more so than men is that a myth Mm -hmm. is losing your sex drive in a monogamous relationship a thing or a myth or is it a question of maybe not having the tools to communicate and thinking that's a lack of sex drive Mm -hmm. is that something you've kind of explored
4: Yeah, for sure. I think libido is a really, really interesting topic. Um, I do know, as a fact, through talking to girlfriends and reading around it, that it is difficult, it becomes more difficult for a woman to have an orgasm as she gets older. So let's say a woman has experienced orgasm through clitoral orgasm. As you come into perimenopause, the sensation does change. Get a vibrator.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking a vibrator got sent to my house today guys a gift well It just a- I just arrived in the courier post
4: I'm so jealous of that I don't angel. understand
2: I know I was like what a, <laughs> what kind what of a brilliant day it? for it um I haven't actually explored it in much detail but it looks very confusing and it's looks like it has some sort of basically I wrote an article for Murray Claire about it and they loved the article so much that they sent me one in the post amazing it's, the, it's, it's, a, it's a highly
4: functional like complicated one I'm, well, I'm using a fireman at there's the moment. She's like, like just super. There's simple.
2: like a sucky vacuum thing which I have. Like I opened it very briefly as I was opening the post out in the lounge before, and then I was like, I'm gonna have a proper look at this later, <laughs> away from everybody.
4: Well, please do make sure you let me know how it is. I love feedback on vibrators, but um, so there is there is a fact that 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 you will almost definitely lose your ability to have orgasm in the same way and to, to, to such a intense effect, but that doesn't mean you should give up on it. In fact, anything like Matthews, who is a really great mate and is doing phenomenal work around menopause says, don't give up on it because actually in terms of counterbalancing menopause, having orgasms is really important and it can really help with the dryness. And so, you know, and use a lube. Anyway, so that's that's a kind of fact that we know it's a biological fact and there are things you can do about it, but you, you can't change it at its core. In terms of libido, I think um, I think everyone's really different. I think it is really difficult to generalise. I think that sexual energy does there is I would suggest that sexual energy does come through differently for men than it does for women, and that women have a, a often need more foreplay to whereas a man can go north to 60 and kind of actually just be ready you know and and i so i think you know is it a generalization is it a fact i don't know but but my personal experience and with the women that i love and work with around me i would suggest that is the same you know and but but goop also put an article out last week saying that um i love goop what they're doing is phenomenal they put an article out saying that women's libidos have dropped during coronavirus where we're at right now during this, this um, lockdown period. And that's not true for me. Mine's gone through the roof. And I, you know, I, and I don't feel, I mean, I weirdly I don't feel that stress. So it's not like my body's been flooded with cortisol and I'm reaching for the oxytocin, you know, vibrator so I can like bring it down. I just, I'm lit the freedom of not being as busy um, you know, stress reduces our, our sexual drive. It just does. You know, cortisol makes us uptight and, you know, disassociates us into our heads. The thoughts are too fast. How can you possibly sink into receiving physical um, experience when when you're in your head so much? And I've, I, I'm still working really hard, but I've am not running around London and I'm not going out at night and I'm, and I'm night horny as anything.
3: Well, you were saying <laughs> Izzy that, what did you say about sales of vibrators in New Zealand? They've, like They've tripled gone up like 300% or something. Yeah. yeah. God, I they know. have tripled.
4: Also, I mean, sex in general, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a really, there was a an 27%. Uh, a survey was done and 27% of, of couples said that they were looking forward to this period to explore their sexual relationship more and I think you know there's there's a reason why you're interested in it and why I'm doing these three mini they have done this this sort of three-part mini-series is because we don't have the time as adults to look think and feel about sex and this is giving us an opportunity to I read in the New York Times yesterday that cheating sites have gone up, which is to me I'm, I'm uh, that breaks my heart but but I think you know just to have the space and time to be more in our whole selves mm. as in a whole a sense of whole being people are, are, are having stronger desire
2: I think that's the thing as well when you're so busy you when you're so busy well I've felt in the past that for me sex just becomes the last thing on my list or like the last thing I feel like doing mm. and as well for women who I've talked to for men foreplay is a very physical thing and for women I've talked to it can be literally coming home to a clean house well, I'm going to throw out there this, okay? So let's say, let so at the base level,
4: and I'm not a medical doctor, but men have less shame around masturbating when they're young. They learn how to make themselves have an orgasm. Cortisol is reduced by the oxytocin that's released when you have an orgasm. So a man is functioning at a very stressy level, and he knows somewhere at a very deep level that having an orgasm will release him. From the level of stress he's feeling, for a woman, for whatever reason, unless there are women who find orgasm very easy, the majority of women I know don't. It takes longer than it might take a man, and that could be because we don't masturbate enough when we're teenagers. I don't know. I don't know why why the reason is, but let's just let's just say that women take longer to come than a man does. So somehow that ingrained feeling of when I get home at night, I'm going to feel better if I have an orgasm, might not be there. Plus, mm. if you haven't really taught your partner or learned how to give yourself self-pleasure, you're, you you know, that's not going to be your go-to. Tidying the house probably mm. is <laughs> because you know when you finish it, you're going to have a sense of achievement. Mm. You know, it's, and I, again, you know, that's not, embedded. that's just my opinion. That's my opinion. Why, why would you go to have sex with yourself or a man if you don't deeply understand the release it's going to give you. I think that's where
3: faking orgasms comes into it as well, because you have this. Like I think women, as you say, in those formative years, aren't being taught or aren't teaching themselves how to find pleasure. They're not then able to communicate to a partner how to find pleasure. And then there's this feeling of, maybe I don't want to make him feel like he's not good in bed, or I don't want this to take forever because I know we're not going to get there, or I don't even know how to get there. So this or or this. Uh, myth that sex isn't finished until someone orgasms i feel like all of these come into play and then a huge amount of sexual miscommunication probably comes from the fact that women are faking orgasms because they feel like that's what they need to do
4: i mean sex is like the most codependent thing in the whole world isn't it i mean i love the opening of sex education because actually amy's character is having sex with a man where she quite codependently is behaving in a way that is um Uh, trying to be what she thinks he ought to be but also he's finding it really difficult to have an orgasm you know men find it really difficult too and I think that it's not just women that lie and fake it you know it's 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 um I think the pressure on the orgasm is a bit of an issue you know and that that somehow or other not only are we not taught to self-pleasure when we're young and the importance of sex being an activity for pleasure not for procreation it's also that you know we we don't understand i mean oxytocin gets released from hugging as well like just the, the the being in bed with someone and having your arms around them and stroking them and whether it be erotic or not or maybe it will go there may, maybe it won't but the focus on the orgasm is potentially uh another thing that really deeply needs to be addressed that you know it's not And and then, and then if you don't have the orgasm within that sexual experience, it's not such a big deal. You know, I I think that so complicated, the level of resentment that can come through. If you can, if you continue to have sex with someone and don't have an orgasm all the time, then that's a massive, massive hotbed for resentment Mm. and also can really disconnect a relationship. But if you don't have one every five times, it's not really a big deal.
2: Well, I, actually, I kind of wanted to ask, what are your tips for someone who hasn't had an orgasm? What do you think they should do? Well, I mean, I, it's that,
4: yeah, I've got loads of suggestions. I think that first and foremost, you need to be very um, honest with yourself about what is going on there. So if the shame is really deep-rooted and you feel that it's a dirty thing, I would suggest that you look at that therapeutically. Mm-hmm. As a baseline, if it's a more simple, I've just never tried it. I just didn't really think it was for me. I would suggest that you start by you don't you don't need to go straight. What well, you could you could just buy a vibrator and give it a go. Mm. Um, You'll enjoy it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> don't put any pressure on yourself. Don't have any expectations. A little bit like I was just saying about you know let let go of the orgasm and just enjoy touching yourself and maybe you're in the shower and you touch your, you know, your, your body and other places, you know, just ease yourself into it. Um, don't look for the orgasm, look for touching yourself and getting to know your body and the different areas of, of your vulva and, and your vagina. And, and, and then, and then if you want, if you start to enjoy it and you want to explore more, I, I would suggest getting sex toys. I think that they can be really useful for variety and um, you know, just just learning the different ways the different rhythms and experiences that might bring you to climax but i think if if the shame's there the most important thing is to is to look at the shame and why you feel the shame because i think shame stops us from being free as human beings and and i and i and i've shared some of the reasons why i think we have shame you know we don't just have shame about sex we have shame about so many things but i i really believe it's the most devastating thing mm. for human beings is because we deserve to be like the children we come into the world as or the animals that we see play. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a real defect of human nature. I believe shame.
3: We wanted to ask, and obviously we've touched on sex education a couple of times in this interview, but me and Izzy have said so many times and, and to so many of our friends, how much we wished we had a show like that when we were 13 or 14. Um, yeah. What, why do you think that that show is so important? And did you have that same reaction of kind of
4: wishing you'd had a tool like that when you were younger? I mean, it's a f- absolutely phenomenal show. Obviously, I probably identify most with Gillian. Like just watching Gillian, watching Gillian, oh like a pleasure. She, pleasure. Like because I, you know, i I've, she's such a phenomenal actress, but she is more liberated in that role than anything I've ever seen her do mm. before. And it is and it is a great joy to see a, a role like that written for a woman. Mm. Um, I mean, when I was growing up, Dawson's Creek was like the, the show. And I remember...
2: Me too, but I was far too young. <laughs> I was reading it when I was about like eight years old, secretly at my grandma's house.
4: I mean, it was great. I remember the lead character in it when she said something along the lines of so the, the woman that comes in who's kind of the rebellious character and she comes in and she said something like I was sexualized way too young and she was about 16 at the time. And I just, you know, things like that actually were kind of helpful for me because my sexual activity started quite young by comparison to some of my girlfriends and it was like, oh, okay. So, so was that okay for me? So there was a kind of teaching, but it wasn't, it wasn't what we've got with sex education, which is obviously an 18. So, um, I'd love to know. I'd love. I wonder if they've got any status of what the age group is that are watching it. But it's just really honest. And the thing that I think is really amazing about it is that I mean, it caught me out. It it that opening episode with Amy where she's having sex. I I watched it and then I I turned it off and then I came back to it three months later because someone said you've got to watch it because I watched that first scene and I was like oh I didn't I didn't follow through with it to see what happened and i was like oh they're just rep-, you know they're just showing a young woman who's basically behaving kind of a bit like a porn star yeah. you know and I, and i and i and and so they so they caught me out and i think that's the cleverest thing about it is that it sets up a stereotype and then it turns it on its head it sets up a stereotype and then it turns it on its head so for young mm-hmm. people watching that it shatters stereotypes and just any young person I hope watching it would start to have a deeper understanding that it's okay just to be you, whatever your individual experiences in life in general or with sex or with friendships is okay. Just keep bringing it back to you, bring it back to you. What is it? Who am I? What do I want out of life? What do I want out of relationships and stop being codependent with the entire world and trying to match yourself with, you know, all these people around you and ending up with kind of a, a weird fragmented personality.
2: Amazing! Thank you so much for
3: speaking to us. there anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to talk about, or that you think we should have maybe asked but didn't?
4: No, I don't think. I mean, no. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we talked. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We gave you like so many hard questions as well. We're like, why do women feel shame?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why do I sometimes not want to have sex if it's after seven p.m. Tell me. (laughs) Yeah,
4: I don't. I think the really interesting thing about the most interesting thing about sex and sexual relationships, I really do think is, is this what I was just saying about coming back to yourself as an individual, like even some of, so for me, one of the things about the happy vagina was to get lots of different women's experiences because Mm. even the great articles that, that women like you are writing somehow other, um, you know, it's just about, it's about bringing making sure that within all of it, it's still very much focused on, on everyone being completely different. I think Mm. one of the deep rooted reasons why we aren't free with the sexual relationships is because we have this thing of what's the right way to do it. What's the right way to do it. And that might be through learning, you know, through watching porn, as you were saying, or watching too many romantic movies or that your girlfriend had that experience. It's like, what's right for me? What's right for me? What's right for me? I've had so many
3: friends, like when we've sat and talked where someone will say, oh, I have sex with my boyfriend this much, or I'll say thing, and then someone's like, oh my God, we only have sex once a week or twice a week. Is that weird? And then they'll have like a crisis. Like I have friends who I know have gone and had huge blow up fights yeah. with their boyfriends or uh, totally yeah. started to doubt something or whatever over something quite yeah. arbitrary as like a number that was maybe inflated anyway. And that's anyway. such a guys thing you as know? well.
2: Yeah. And guys do that so often as well, where they'll say things in their group of friends, I one of my really close friends i didn't even until last year she's quite um private and so she'll never speak about kind of things within her relationship and it wasn't until we spent i think 2 weeks we were on holiday together just in each other's company 24/7 that she was like um we don't we only have sex once a week and i know that that's really weird and i know that everyone has sex so much more than that and i just feel like i don't have a sex drive and i feel like there's something she was like there's something wrong with me and i was like oh my god i would like I hardly ever want to have... I'd been in a long-term relationship for five years, and I was like, I never want to have sex. Like, it's just sometimes you just don't feel like it, and there's nothing wrong with you. It's just... like. And then um, her her boyfriend, all of his friends have been saying that they did it all the time, and it's just like... (laughs) I think
4: um, think that, uh, you know, firstly, how amazing that you're actually having the conversation and she was able to share it with you. Like, that's, Mm -hmm. like, huge progress. You know, I'm in my 40s, and when we were in our 20s, me and my girlfriends did not talk about sex. We just didn't. Um, it is changing. It's really, really changing at a very fundamental level. But I also think that, the, that there's still a gap between communication with your partner. So, um, you know, communication is lubrication, like, and the conversation that needs to happen, let's just take that example that you've just shared with me, that, you know, it, it's like, again, it comes back to rejection. Why wouldn't you just say to your partner, Hey, look, I'm aware that we, we have sex once a week. Is that enough for you? Like, how are you with Mm. our sexual relationship? But again, it's Mm. this deep rooted fear of rejection that we have, which I I, is, is way more than sex. I think it's separation anxiety. You know, this is going to sound a bit intense and deep but like you know you're in this bubble of the womb and then you're like you're out and then you go to school and all these layers these tissue layers these muscle memory tissue layers of being separated from people from a very young age and it it can't always be handled in the most psychologically brilliant way so potentially you've got some trauma around it and then when we have physical contact with someone whether or not we're in love with them the the amount of fear that sits with us in terms of not wanting to be rejected or left mm. is so intense that we will we we will we will cut our own experiences out of a relationship so so we won't have an orgasm because we think that we'd prefer the other person to be happy than we would because we don't want to lose them and we don't ask questions is that okay for you you know because we almost yeah. don't want to hear the answer because the answer might mean that the relationship ends and we're terrified of being alone, and we're terrified of losing people that we love, and we're terrified of being rejected. And it's really deep. Like, I, this is really like kind of. I don't think we we sit in the fear of rejection. We sit underneath it, and it and, and it and it's responsible for many more of our actions within relationships than we realise. So that's so interesting. Anyway.
3: No, it's like, I do watch Brené Brown. I'm obsessed with her. My psychologist got me on her. But Brené it must I never thought, I thought about obviously like vulnerability in an emotional sense, but I'd never clocked that you should link that to sex when it seems so obvious. But that's probably where you're most it's vulnerable. About being vulnerable. <laughs>
4: it's about being vulnerable. It's amazing. It's really about being vulnerable, intimacy. Um. And it's really, really scary for all of us. As I said, even me, who kind of works in the field, I, I still, I, I, you know, I'm by no means an expert at it. You know, they talk about it. And, I, you know, I was chatting to some young women yesterday um, and they were asking me about what I do about things. And I was sat there going, oh, wow, well, you, you know, she, her period had not come for six months. And, you know, and i saying you should go to a doctor. But, you know, and it's taken me a lifetime to get to the stage that, i'm really honest with myself i think you know i think that is one of the other things just just to really kind of like name and be generous spirited about is that that you know your your earlier years are meant to be slightly confusing baffling and finding your way you know finding your way to be the human being and the woman that you want to be does take time it's our life journey it's our self-development the women that that like us, who work in the media, so therefore we have quite a lot of input from other women who can teach us how to be more connected to ourselves we're we're the lucky ones you know there's 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 a whole there's other you know but but you girls writing about it reaches them and and that's really exciting you
3: know? yay well, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been such a pleasure in my um, grandma's bedroom it's gorgeous, we love
4: it it's very exciting <laughs> um well done with what you're doing it's great thank you oh same me. to you and yeah we're very yeah same to you. to you stay safe
3: yeah.
1: we'll have a coffee you on too. the other
3: side yes please that would i would be love great. that or a cocktail okay cool <laughs> yeah
2: yeah or a cocktail bars i can yeah with cocktails and we can fill you in i'll fill you in on this uh vet... did
4: you see that meme that was going around last week you know like the the jokes do you have like the the jokes a man walks into a bar yeah yeah you know those kind of like traditional like silly jokes Mm -hmm. a man walks into a bar and then something happens and then that's the gag and it just said a man walks into a bar lucky (laughs) (laughs)
2: literally (laughs) i know that's
3: how we feel i am gagging like
2: our podcast is called Afterwork drinks because literally that is what me and grace would do this is why the podcast started is because we'd get drinks and talk over hot chips and fries and wine and so now we're just missing all of the above either i have to get drunk at eight in the morning or I'm just, you know, <laughs> the podcast right, is, no, isn't I... authentic anymore <laughs> listen we've been talking about orgasms non-stop
4: i think it probably makes up for the drunkness